Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. Hello. How are you doing this week, Derek? Oh, doing great. Yeah, good. That's good, good, good. It's been a nice, uh, actually, it's been an easy week this week. Nothing too strenuous going on. Um, yeah, after last week's adventure, we went to, if anybody that's listened to last week's show, we, we did an interview with Jim Baird, the adventurer. We uh, ventured on north and checked him out. And yes, it was a good time. It was uh, it was really nice to get out of the basement and uh, go on a field trip. Field trip! <laughs> field trip! Yeah, you know what? We talked about all his trips and stuff like that, and I know... <laughs> Yeah, some pretty good stories. He's a uh, he's a fascinating storyteller. He's really good at it. Like you can see that he's got the skills to back up his stories, and it's just so interesting to hear him talk about the trips he's done, the places he's been. It's uh, it's well worth the time. Yeah, and it's nice to hear about you know his plans and what he's he's trying to put together, and you know just to keep this thing going, you know, get people interested in what he's doing, and and uh, he's having a fun time doing it himself, right? Um, and yeah, I mean, even you had mentioned uh, about the trips that he's doing some of these trips that you would love. I've always wanted to do stuff like that, but unfortunately I do not know anybody that has the skills or the wherewithal to do a, a trip like this. Most people I know, they could get maybe one or two weeks off and, and Jim, he's off doing 20, 30, 40 day trips. And it's like, oh, I would love to do something on that scale. So Jim, if you're listening. <laughs> I need you to hide a body. It's Derek's. I'll send him in alive. You don't necessarily have to bring him back alive. Yeah. But just saying, just saying. <laughs> but yeah, I, I've always wanted to do some, an epic trip like that. Well, somebody that is doing epic trips like that, because they're going with Jim, is his fiance Tori. Yes. So when we were done chatting with Jim, we sat down with Tori and talked to her in, you know, the hopes of, you know, getting her to throw tell, Jim under the bus. Yeah. Tell some stories and tell yeah. about her, her trips and throw Jim under the bus. Yeah. You know what? She's came from like no background in that and, uh, uh, got into this with Jim and she seems to be enjoying it, but, um, oh, absolutely. yeah. So we put her in front of a mic and we asked her a whole bunch of questions and, uh, well, Take a listen for yourself. This is is Tori, uh, Jim Baird's uh, fiance, and this is her take on the whole Jim Baird deal. Tori, thanks for coming on the show. Welcome Hi. to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. We want to know what it's really like with Jim out on canoe trips. We want to know about you getting involved in canoe tripping because you've never canoe tripped before you met Jim, correct? Correct. Yeah. So it was all brand new to you. Yep. And the first trip he took you on was where? Well, the first trip he took me on was the Scudamata. Okay. Which is in uh, just, uh, I guess, east of Bancroft. And um, it was a disaster. It's, um, I don't know if anybody knows it, but it's an expert kayaking river. Um, and it was supposed to take us, I think, three days, so two nights. Um, the first day we actually bumped into a couple other kayakers and we, um, were scouting or Jim was scouting, um, the first rapid and it was about a kilometer long class three plus two. And then it finished with like a class one and I couldn't keep up with Jim on the portage. So me being, uh, naive, I just trusted him to scout it. You know, he would <laughs> tell me what I have to do. This is my first ever, um, this is my first ever, um, white water trip. So I really had no idea what I was doing. So anyways, he tells me that it's runnable. Meanwhile, the kayakers that we bumped into are portaging it. Oh, wow. I probably should have taken that as a red flag. First hint. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, so we ended up dumping obviously. And this was like early April, maybe oh, March. Nice, so it was cold really cold, you know, ice, ice shelves on like the river bank. And did you have dry um, suits? I had a dry suit. Jim only was wearing his half on. So he had it like tied up around his waist. Oh, well. So I was, I was fine actually, but he was soaked and freezing cold. Wow. Yeah. So that was the first trip. The next day I ended up waving down a car on the road. The first road that we came across, I just ran out onto the road and, and waved down the first car that I saw. I am out of here. <laughs> We're like, done. Jim's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm out of here. So yeah, we, we got out of there that day. Wow. Well, that was a good introduction. Yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah. And you went back. I went again some for some crazy reason. 
So how long have you been uh, canoe tripping with Jim now? Um, I guess it's been about four years that we've been paddling. And you've done a lot of small trips and a couple of really epic northern yeah. Canada yeah. trips. And... Yeah, so a few like weekend trips. And then uh, we did northern Quebec, the Natashquan, which was two weeks. And then we did, um, last summer we did northern Saskatchewan, the Porcupine River. So that right. was also two weeks. Some, some fun, big Some trips. fun trips, yeah. 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 So... Um, you've gone from like a couple of days to multi-week trips yeah. and you're gaining all this experience. You're learning to do all this stuff. Now, is it stuff you ever thought you would be doing? Um, well, before Jim, no. Um, yeah, like I, I used to think I was adventurous before I met Jim, but clearly I had no idea. Um, but when I first started dating Jim, he told me about all the trips that he went on, showed me some videos and pictures and everything. And so once he started showing me that, I, I hoped that I would go on one of these trips with him. Right. Um, at the time I had no idea how difficult they would be, (laughs) but, um, yeah, I think once I heard about them, I had kind of pictured myself doing them. Yeah, I think that's a lot of things. I mean, even when I uh, talk to people about uh, trips I've done and you show them pictures and stuff like that, it really gets people wanting to do it and, and tag along. And it, it gets them thinking, you know, like you're looking at all the stuff that people are doing on these canoe trips and how great it must be to see all the, the nature, all the, you know, the Canadian shield, mm-hmm. uh, animals, the weather and stuff like that, really cool stuff. But until you actually get out there... Mm-hmm you don't really realize what it's actually like. Yeah. You know, so it's, for, it's, it's taken that, that first step and, and getting out there and, and actually doing it, right? Yes. Which is, which is I guess, where you are now. Yeah, you've, exactly. You've gotten out there and... Now, you tell people, you show people story, uh, the, the pictures and stories yeah. of your trips? Yeah, I show them the videos and the pictures and they all think it's amazing. But like you said, they, they really have no idea. And I, I'll tell them, like I'm brutally honest with them about how hard it can be um and you know they they say it sounds amazing but they really just have no idea what it's what it's really like so yeah and and i think until you actually get out there mm-hmm. i don't think you can really no. fully understand what it's like yeah i mean yeah okay well, whoop de do you put a canoe on your shoulders and you walk across right but how when, hard could that really be but yeah when you're when you're going hard. up and down across rocks and and hills and roots yeah. and, and, and all then that there's sort of bugs stuff. biting you in the face while you're trying to do that. And you can't swat them away because your hands are full of paddles and all fishing good rods. times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all good times. Right. <laughs> so what have you gotten out of doing all these trips with Jim? Um, I guess I've just found a, a whole new respect for nature. Um, and like what it can provide for us, I guess, when right. we're out there and just, um, you never really know what's going to happen next either. Uh, you know, like it could be horrible, horrible weather right. when you're out there. Um, and it kind of dictates your trip too. Right. So, um, I don't know. You can't, you can't really just assume that you know what you're doing and then just go out there unprepared like we are we're so prepared for any situation and it's still so difficult so um i don't know i just i i just don't i don't think people have any idea how hard it is i don't know yeah so so you've gained quite the respect for nature and, and yeah. the whole aspect of canoe tripping totally on these types of trips yeah yeah and it's i mean i've been on a couple myself and yeah it's it's just the things you learn along the way and the things you have to, unexpected things you have to deal with. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you look at it, it's easy to look at a map and go, I'm going from point A to point B. But if you're on, you know, the portage between point A to point B and that portage just disappears, yeah, you've got to be ready for something like you that. You have to learn, yeah, you have to learn to do some map reading, bushwhacking. And, and it's funny because a lot of people, you know, when they're accustomed to like, car camping or whatever it's really hard to get them to understand the concept of of backcountry canoeing and in mm-hmm. northern ontario and, and stuff like that it's they, they don't really appreciate the difficulty and and i think that's where most people find the reward of doing some of these more difficult trips is is the challenge of of what you put yourself through 
at the end of the day, even if it's a bad day, it's it's you've learned something, you've come through something, mm-hmm. and you have appreciation for your own abilities now and and what you can achieve. Yeah, and I mean we've we've talked on other shows and whatnot, and other people that you know what you think about before your trip. You know, you, you don't know what really to expect, or this is what this is what you're expecting mm-hmm. to happen, and this is what you're expecting to see. Mm-hmm. But then when you get on the trip, it can be something completely different. Yeah. Now, when you go on these trips with Jim, um, you know, you, you, I know, figure that you don't know what fully to expect. Mm-hmm. And then you have your good days, your bad days. When you're done the trip, what, what are your thoughts afterwards? From, from somebody, the point of view of somebody who's, who's not been it. doing this for very yeah. long. Because you to, jump right into, like most people will will do some flat water trips and stuff and kind of do car camping, flat water trips and some just entry level stuff. But you went right into it. You went yeah. from from beginner to experienced whitewater paddler and and it's you've. It, you went through a steep learning curve. So it must be the perspective that you have on this would be different than the average person. Yeah. Well, I think my initial um, feeling is relief, I guess. Like <laughs> when we pull done. up onto the beach at the end and we're getting out. I just, I just want to like kiss the sand, you know, yeah. it's just, it could, it couldn't be over soon enough, I guess, it, which sounds horrible because it is such an amazing experience. But yeah. I remember thinking on the Natasha one, I think it was day 10 or 11. Anyways, I think it was, yeah, day 11 that I thought it could be over now. Like I'd be happy. <laughs> this is a good length. I think this is my cap, but there were still like four days left. Right. So um, I was definitely relieved to to be back at her car and ready to go home, you know, hit up the drive-thru, get some Tim Hortons. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's, there's been a couple of trips I've been on, and when I see my truck sitting there, I just waltz up and give it a big old kiss yeah. on the hood. Yeah. You know, because it's just like, oh, that was just a yeah. horrible, horrible trip. And, you know, I've said it before that there, there's times on trips where the F-bomb is my, my favorite word. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it just sort of, it, it's just when something bad's going on, you just throw one of those out there, yeah. it like releases all that energy and you get on with your day, you know, rather yeah. than dwelling on the fact that you just twisted your ankle or. Yeah. For me, I just, I think I just cry a little bit. And <laughs> then I, Derek feel, does. I feel a little bit better. And we, we had a six kilometer, six and a half kilometer portage on the Natasha Kwan. Oh, and it was, um, this was the trip that nobody had paddled since 1999. Right. And so there was no like solid portage trail. Right. So it's, there's, and there had been a forest fire through there. So there's a bunch of downed trees and just, it was, it was horrible. And I just remember thinking it was, it took us two and a half days. Um, it took us two and a half days to get through it. And I, on the first day of the portage, Jim checked the map and he's like, okay, we've made it one kilometer. And this was our first trip. Cause we had to do two trips wow. for, for all, all of all our gear. gear. And I remember just crying because <laughs> I was, I was like this, this is, we're never going to finish. We will never finish this portage is how I felt. And I, I threatened to actually throw the canoe down the rapid that we were portaging around just so that I had an excuse to hit the, um, SOS button on the inReach. <laughs> but Jim, Jim hid it away from me, the, the inReach. So I couldn't do that, but <laughs> good so, plan. Yeah. What's the thought process to pick a route that hasn't been used in almost a decade or more than a decade, 15 years? Like, that, that it, like, oh, where, where does nobody ever go? Let's pick that one. Like, well, that's, that's Jim for you. Just like, <laughs> what would nobody ever want to do? I'm going to go do that. And I'm taking Tori with me. And yes. you know, who's, who's a good person to go with me? Tori, who's never paddled any, you know, wild river before in her life. So <laughs> I think that's his thought process. It's because everybody else turned him down. Probably. <laughs> like, hey, I'm going to hit this river. You want it? No, I don't want to go to that. I'll take Tori then. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, maybe I'm just the crazy one between yeah. the two of us because I just agreed to all this stuff. Because afterwards, he's out with his buddies having beers going, and she came along. Exactly. Who knew? <laughs> she still hasn't dumped me. <laughs> so uh, there was the one trip you're talking about 
Um, it was a really bad day. I guess the, the map reader, navigator fella um, got you guys a bit lost mm-hmm. and you had to come back. But yeah. you said it turned out really well. It did. It did. After um, going in the wrong direction for two kilometers, we um, we did our final portage of the, the night. It was our last night on the trip. And uh, right at the bottom of the portage was this beautiful um, waterfall. And it was just right in the sunset. It was purple and pink skies. Um, and it was just kind of like the perfect ending to our night. We looked for a campsite and there was one right across from the waterfall. It had a perfect beach and a perch. So we ended up setting up camp there and our, um, our campfire was right on top of the perch. So it was kind of the perfect view of the falls. And then right before we go to bed, we have a Northern lights show. So yeah, it was, uh, the perfect end to our trip. Now being a photographer. Yes. I bet you just loved how much how much how much gear do you bring on one of those trips? A lot, yeah. a lot. I think yeah. that's also another thing that people don't realize is like you have all your gear for the actual canoe trip, and yeah. then you have all your gear for filming and photographing it, right? So, yeah. um, we usually bring two DSLRs. Um, we have like four GoPros, or maybe three. I don't know, and then another action camera, Garmin Verb, um, and then. What else? And then he has a Canon, like, um, just like a video camera. Right. Like, and then, yeah, yeah. And then there's, you know, so many batteries and we have a tripod and we have just so many, a lot of things to carry with us. So, so when you're, when you're coming across this waterfall with the little beach and all that, you're just, uh, in your glory. Yeah. Taking photos. Well, and- yeah. And the problem with that is that, you know, I'm so wrapped up in taking a picture that I'm not actually just enjoying the moment. Oh, okay. So, yeah, like, right. you yeah. know, it comes out and I'm like, grab the camera, get the tripod, you know, like running around. And I'm like, go over there, you know, get in the tent, turn on the light, like trying to, you know, do the fancy yeah. shots. Light, yeah. But then afterwards, I'm like, I'm not actually just enjoying it you're not enjoying the moment you're working so yeah so eventually i you know i turn it off i'm like okay whatever i got it i'm sure it's good enough because the pictures don't do it justice right so yeah there's days where i do the same i I have all my gear set and then it's just like you know what i'm not even gonna get my gear out i'm just gonna enjoy the show yeah you know she's like walter mitty that movie yeah, one of my favorites. Spoiler alert: we won't yeah. tell, we won't say the yeah. ending. <laughs> the butler did it. <laughs> I love that movie. Yeah, it's good. Um, so let's throw Jim under the bus. Okay. Even though Derek says not to. <laughs> you want to throw him under the bus? So I want to throw Jim under the bus. <laughs> Describe Jim on a canoe trip. Like a, typ- a typical, like, and we see him on video. Yeah, and here I say, don't throw him under the bus, and I'm helping out. And you're here. helping out. Anyways, we see you're him on video. So we, we see Jim the adventurer. We see the uh, the, the character that mm-hmm. he portrays or himself that he portrays on video. So what is he off video? Like when he's not recording? I heard he likes to walk around camp naked. <laughs> well, <laughs> aside from that, aside from that, <laughs> um, well, I mean, he's filming a lot, so it's really hard to say. When he's not on camera, he's usually just screaming at me to film him. So <laughs> just like, get the camera, come over here, film me doing this. And like, you know, at the end of the day, paddling all day, portaging, the last thing I want to do is pull out a camera and stand and watch him, you know, rig up a fishing line. Like I really could care less about, could not care less about that, I guess I should say. Um, so yeah, that we get into some arguments about that. Cause I'm like, listen, this is my vacation. Like, cause I have to take vacation time. He does this for a living. This is my vacation from work. Yeah. And here I am like working still like, this is harder. I'd rather just be at work, you know, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, otherwise, I don't know. He's, he's pretty good. Like considering we come across some tough situations, he handles it pretty well. I'm, I get more angry than he does. Um, he does, he, he doesn't wait for me is one thing that really bothers me actually. Like, especially when we're scouting rapids. Um, I think I mentioned the Scudamata. He scouted that. (laughs) Never again will I let him scout a rapid without me. So now. Are you thinking he needs parental supervision? Yes. (laughs) Is that where we're going here? Yeah, exactly. So now I like 
try, I have to keep up with him when he's scouting rapids. So he's six foot five and he's got legs, you know, that can just step over any oh, log yeah. and rock People. and I'm climbing and trying to keep up with him. And so anyways, I end up screaming at him to wait and then he screams at me to hurry up and it just becomes a big thing. But, um, yeah, for the most part, he's pretty patient. I mean, he's in his element, so he's, he's happy, right? So when you're out there and he's, he's doing his thing, are you learning a lot from him? Yeah. Like all the stuff that we watch in the videos that he's doing his stuff. Is he teaching you that while you're out there? Are you learning that and starting to get some hands on stuff with that? Um, he does teach me. Yeah, sometimes I don't care as bad as that's going to sound. <laughs> He's always like, come over here and watch this. I'm like, oh, I just I just don't want to right now. <laughs> but I am, I am learning, but um, he does it all anyways. Like, I, I, I don't really have to do it because he's just so anxious to do it all himself. The only thing I really do is set up the tent at night because that's, he likes to get the fire going and yeah. I don't. So I'm like, well, I'll help. I'll set up the tent. But um, yeah, he teaches me a lot. He, everything he does, he's, he's teaching me, right? I don't know if I'm necessarily retaining it all because it's just so much, so much all the yeah. time. Yeah. But I mean, it, every day is a school day, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you, and you yeah. keep going back for more. I do. I do. I mean, if I forgot something, I can just go on his website and watch it again, right? <laughs> oh, the truth came out. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Quick, there's a bear over here. i got to show you how to wrestle him. No, I'll do that later, Jim. <laughs> well, I still don't know how to tie a bowl in. He's which got a, he's, which he's I've got watched a video the video. That. I know, and that's, like, that's the thing. I've watched the video so many times. He's taught me so many times, so... That'll just put it into perspective how much, like how much I really retain. Like I still so there's there's parts of that in. really interest you, and there's other parts that are well, you're gonna do it anyways. So. Yeah. Well, one <laughs> yeah. thing I have to learn are the paddle strokes, otherwise we're gonna die. So it's a possibility. But yeah, uh, yeah. Considering who's taking you on canoe exactly. trips, it's yeah. a good possibility. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're having fun out there at the end of the day. Always, yeah, yeah. So if you had to pick a bucket list river for yourself or type of river, what would it be? Um, I don't really know. Like I haven't done a lot of research on particular rivers or anything, but definitely somewhere out West, like in the Rockies would be beautiful. Um, I would say not too many intense rapids, hopefully would be a, a nice river trip for me. So a nice flat yeah, like Easy a little river. bit of current, but not nothing like no major portages. I don't mind a few portages, but nothing, no terrifying rapids that I'm being forced to run, I guess. Right. Which sounds just like the mountain river, <laughs> right? In the Northwest Territories. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what we're paddling this summer. So nice. I'm looking so forward to that. That'll be a nice change for you from massive yeah, rapids. Stressful. And- Stress, Rock, yeah. Rivers, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then it'll be right back into it after that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sounds <laughs> like you're having fun. Yeah. Hopefully there's a yeah. beach vacation in, in, a beach in vacation. there in between those, yeah. Wow. Well, you guys are getting, are you guys getting married on the river? No, no. You're not, you're not like, are we going to pay an officiator to go out there with us? Oh, there you go. <laughs> you can unless, get your you can someone get their can license get their online. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're coming up to class three. Oh, quick, God. quick, quick. <laughs> Could happen. I don't Could know if happen. we can pay anyone enough money to do that. <laughs> so do you have an absolute worst experience out of all the trips you've done with Jim? Something that sticks out, something that yeah. is like, wow, I'm never doing that again. Yeah. I do. Um, there's so many to choose from. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> well, there was that portage that I was mentioning, but somehow it, that doesn't seem so bad compared to our porcupine trip last year. It rained. I, so it was a 14-day trip. I think it rained 12 days oh, out no. of 14. Lovely. So just like soaked to the bone. Every day you wake up and it's raining outside. You don't want to get out of your tent because you know you're just going to have to put on the same soaking wet clothes that you took <laughs> yeah. off last night. Pack like, up in the rain. Do you even have any dry clothes left? Probably not. 
and yeah, yeah pack up in the rain. Like you're setting up your tent. It's soaking wet. There's a puddle in the middle of your tent. Um, so yeah, the porcupine, every, all the rocks were just so slippery. All our portages, you're just terrified you're going to slip right into the. So it would have probably been a total different trip if, if it had the, been sunny and, yeah. and nice. 100%. Wow, weather 100%. plays that much of an aspect. Yeah. Oh yeah, it takes yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah like I, I like to get a nice suntan when I'm out there. I at least <laughs> got one when I was on the Natasha one, but the porcupine, I think I came back whiter. It was so, <laughs> so rainy. There, there was so little sun. I actually took my tan away. <laughs> That's a new one. Um, so yeah, so it sounds like you guys are having a lot of fun doing mm-hmm. this anyway. Yeah. And you've been doing it for a few years now, right? Yeah. So I think you'll you'll have a lot more time. And the fact that you guys are getting hitched now. Yeah. Eh. I know. Time for a new canoe. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Jim didn't pay me to say that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, well, you know what? It sounds like you're having fun. It sounds like you're you're learning a lot and you've really gotten into this now, despite all the... The little hiccups along the way. And, yeah. and I think that's going to happen with anybody. I mean, we've all had those those trips that just suck. Yeah. yeah you know, definitely. and then the next trip you're thinking, ah, oh, hope it doesn't happen again. And then the next trip is just absolutely fabulous. Right. You know, so it keeps you coming back for more. Yeah. And it sounds like you guys, that's exactly what you guys are doing. So I, I really hope you guys have a lot more years of, of doing this. And, and, and what's interesting is with, with YouTube and and. With Jim the Adventure, we get to live vicariously through you guys and watch your trips on video. Yeah. So it's something for us to look forward to. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we're actually, we just watch the videos and learn, okay, if I'm taking my wife, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> not that trip. <laughs> not that trip. <laughs> okay. Note to self, don't take that trip. <laughs> Send Jim and Tori first yeah. and then yeah. we'll decide. Yeah. Hey, I was thinking of this, Jim, why don't you guys check this one out and let me know how it goes. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for coming on and giving us the real spiel about Jim and yourself. Of course. Thanks for having me. And uh, like I say, hope you have a lot more uh, canoe trips and some good times. I do too. Thank you. All right. We'll be right back after this. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m., and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. Welcome back. Uh, you know, Derek, that was really nice to get up there and, and have a chat with the two of them, and, and especially getting Tori's point of view on things, coming from somebody that's never been into canoeing to begin with yeah and it's her her dive into it was like her her learning curve was steep trial by fire i know like no most people would normally go on some weekend trips and whatnot she did i think just a a couple few day trips with uh, jim and then all of a sudden she's off into like a 10 day trip or a 15 day trip and like in hard rivers like whitewater and and she's not (laughs) she's never done whitewater so it's just amazing how quickly she adapted to it she's She's, I think it's amazing that she didn't actually kill Jim a, a long way. <laughs> yeah, and she's still sticking <laughs> and with And I it. don't mean by accident. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's 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 really cool to see that see that sort of thing that, you know, people are yeah, they just get into it and just enjoy it and they 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 go and go and go and exactly. and build up, you know, until next thing you know, you're doing these massive trips, you're hitting these massive white water and and portages and everything else. and I know. And like, it took me years before I ever got into my first whitewater. It was, I, I took it easy. I did flat water. I did some solo trips and stuff like that. And, and I was slowly got introduced to whitewater just because some of the people that I paddled with says, hey, let's do this river. Let's do that river. There's some whitewater. Just let you know type thing, right? Yeah. And, but she was right into the thick of it. And it was, uh, it, it was really impressive. 
yeah, hopefully she can uh, she keeps up with it and uh, yeah. you know, eventually maybe she just leaves Jim in her dust and <laughs> Exactly, <know>. yeah. <laughs> what I found interesting though is that uh like just in preparing for the interviews, I, I watch a lot of Jim's videos of yeah. uh, of his trips and and so the Northern Quebec trip and and uh some of the other ones. It, he and it, it just kind of got me thinking about stuff and what got me thinking about it is that they always seem to have a camera at the ready. Like everything is recorded and I guess and, and she, she alluded to it. She said, like, every moment there's a case, say, record me doing this, record me doing that. There's yeah. always, there's always a camera at the ready. And, and, and that's the business he's in. This is, this is, this is his job, really. Yeah. So I, I've often wondered, like, how do you keep camera equipment safe, secure, dry? You know, like I, uh, I've, I've, I've always, when I bring my camera, I keep it in a dry bag and just stuff behind my seat so I can easily pull it out and, or I keep the bag in front of my feet and, but it's, it's not secured. Like, like usually it's tied by a string, but it's, I could easily lose it. So I've always wondered how do I keep my gear at the ready? Because sometimes a, a photo op doesn't really give you a heads up or warning. It's there and then, and you got to take the, the, the advantage of it, right? Yeah. You know what? I was... I always used to keep my bag under my seat of my canoe. Yeah. And yeah, some things just pop up really quickly where then you all of a sudden you're bending over, you're pulling the bag out, you're Making unzipping noise it. And, and you, scaring you get the off. camera out, you get it turned on and focus and the moment's like half hour past. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and that's the tough part. Yeah, it, it really is. So when I when I had when I was in the middle of doing that, I started looking at different things. Um where I could store the the camera that was quick, that was secure, that sort of thing. I mean, you can, a lot of people get the Pelican cases and, you know, the hard ki- shell cases and stuff like that. They can that. be awkward. And they can be awkward and they slide around, that sort of stuff. So you need something that's going to attach to the canoe as well. Yeah. Right? If you're going to do whitewater trips or if you're going to be doing anything challenging, then it's got to be tied to the canoe, right? Yeah. Well, one of the things I found, and I... I I don't even remember how I found it. It was an underseat bag by a company called Granite Gear. Uh, you can find them, granitegear.com. They had an underseat bag. So it attached to the actual canoe seat yeah. and was underneath. And there was a zipper at the front. You could stuff things into it, right? Yeah. So you put your sunscreen in there. You'd put bug spray in there. You could put your snack in there. You could put a camera in there. And it all hung underneath your seat. You zipped up. So if you flipped... Yeah. Everything was under it because it was waterproof as well, right? What would be good for that too is the fact that it's under your seat. It's out of the sun. It's out of the sun. So your granola yeah. bar isn't going to melt or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, so I did some research on the, on the Granite Gear bag. Yeah. And I came across a couple of things. They also have a small and a large wedge-shaped thwart bag, which latches right onto your, your thwarts. Okay. Um, and they've also got a, a bow bag. A little one at the front. You know, you got that hand grip on the front. Yeah. yeah. That, you know, if two of you are carrying the canoe, there's that little hand grip. This thing latches right onto that. So the person that's paddling in the front, you know, they got a place to put their camera, their snack, yeah. their sunscreen, all that sort of stuff with an easy reach and it's, it's not rolling around under the seat. That'd be good for like a painter liner or like for a line for like... Uh, lining a creek or something it's keeps the line secure because i always get my line knotted trying to jam it into the into the nose of the boat but i always need something tied to the canoe so that you know it's it's easy yeah, so access you could, you could loop it and stuff it in the little bow bag yeah right and then yet yeah, when you need it just yeah. pull it on out that sort of thing huh so um yeah granitegear.com has these things and like i say they were they were pretty cool i'd, I'd contemplating getting the 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 seat one, the one that goes underneath the seat. And basically what it does is underneath the seat, the whole width of the seat, and there's buckles with straps that come up over top. Over top. Of the seat. Yeah. And then it buckles, like basically on each side of your butt, there's a buck, a buckle. So it's not under your butt. No. It's un, it's actually hanging under the seat. Yeah. But it's, no, I it's, mean the, the straps and the buckles. No, no. They're to each side of you. Okay. Right? On your, on your, each side of the canoe seat. Uh, they're just two of the little snap release buckles. You know, the little black ones that you get everything, just yep. like on your packs yeah. and all that, those type of buckles. Uh, you just push the two things together and it pops yeah. out, that sort of deal. So I'm like the princess and the pea, right? If, if there's anything on my seat, it, it kind of bothers me if I'm sitting on it. Yeah, yeah. And that that's one of the, the disadvantages to the that seat um, bag is if you sit to the side more on, in your, yeah. on the seat, then that's going to be right under your leg. 
right yeah. on your butt. Huh. And that's going to leave a mark and it's going to get it very annoying after a while. I imagine, yeah. You know, because sometimes somebody in the front is paddling and they're sitting more to the right side of the seat. So you've so got you to compensate to yeah. by sitting to the left and that's going to be right, right mm-hmm. under your leg. And if you're wearing shorts or, you know, yep. that's right there. Yeah. And that's going to start to, to smart after a while. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the disadvantages I, I thought of, of that. But until that's, you actually, you haven't, you haven't actually paddled. No, you know what? I never actually ended up getting one, but I, I've contemplated them. Um, there's... The also has a bit of a rigid plastic bottom, which you can double as a fillet board, a cutting board. Is it strong enough? It's to strong, do that? yeah. So, so you it's strong cut enough to through do it and leave no. a hole. It's... No, you you huh. can actually fillet. Now it's going to smell like fish. It's going to stink. But you know, you, when you land a fish, you put it and throw it in the canoe, anyways, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. But you don't have to clean it yeah, on that. This yeah, is that's true. what this right. is true. <laughs> You're going to get a bear licking your uh, your thwart bag. Yeah, and I mean it's 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 high high uh, tenacity um, fabrics, you know. So it's it, it's it's gonna lie. it's gonna take a beating. Huh. These things, uh, so they fit they fit the bench style seats, and they will work with the the tractor style. You know, they have the tractor style seats. The what? The, the tractor style. It's just oh, a seat yeah, yeah, that fits yeah, your yeah. butt. Yeah, it's like, like contour like on your boats or something. Yeah, yeah, they will work on those as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so now there is one. That has a pad that will fit over top of the seat, so it's padded. Yeah. I've seen those ones as well. Um, so basically, over the canoe seat. So yeah. the bag is hanging underneath, but there's actually a padded part that you actually sit on Ooh, I could above use that. it, right? So I like sitting interesting. on soft things. Yeah, that'd be nice. So that is the um, the seat pack. Yeah. Now again, the bow bag is perfect because it gives the bow paddler quick and easy access to all their little things, right? Well, even if you got like rain gear, I mean, it's big enough that you could put a rain jacket in it, Yeah. right? So you just quickly pull that out rather than oh, having to turn great. around. Yeah. How many times you've been in the front and starts raining, you got to try to turn around and not yeah. tip the boat. It, not tip right? the boat, open it, you stand your pack up, you got to open the pack, you, everything is exposed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sunglasses, bug repellent, yeah. all that stuff is stuck in there, snack, yeah. right? So you're not having to turn around to try to get anything or wedge anything under your feet. I know my water bottles are always, you know, the Nalgene's are always rolling around under there. Exactly, yeah. You just yeah. throw it in there and you're good, right? Perfect. So that's that's the bow. I mean, the bow bag is just... Now they've got the small and large wedge thwart bags. Um, again, just a rigid plastic bottom so it doesn't sag. Yeah. Right? So you can put all your stuff in there and it is removable to act as a cutting or a fillet board. So yeah, if you want to be cleaning your fish out in the lake so you're not bringing all the guts back to camp. Do they so advertise the bears, it as a cutting fillet board or is that just yeah. your idea? Nope, nope. It, uh, they actually um, say it's a removable, what is it, prevents sagging and can be removed to, to double as a cutting fillet board. Oh, look at that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you can be out in your, your uh, canoe filleting your fish. Mm-hmm. And uh, drop the guts overboard, I guess, and you don't have to bring them back to camp to attract Eat the fish, animals, yeah. right? Except for the blood and guts all over your fillet board. Well, I would be thinking if you hanging that over the side, <laughs> yeah, so you can take apart your bag now. And again, it's got the buckles that that will allow it to attach to um, your thwart. And like I say, different sizes, big, small. There's hooks and straps for uh, attachments that you can put it on your pack. Okay. Right. Because that was one of the, the only real disadvantages that I found of the bow and the thwart bags are if you're going to portage, you've got to take them off every time. Yeah. I mean, they're just buck, snap, snap sort of thing, right? But these could stay, right? Couldn't they? They could, but when you flip it over, these things are flopping back and forth in front of you. They're dangling. But I I have that with water bottles as it is. But if you've got enough stuff in those... Yeah. If you've got rain gear, you've got your water bottle, you've got insect repellent, you've got sunscreen, you've got sunglasses, you got snack. That's a small day pack. <laughs> and you've got yeah. that swinging back and forth suppose, right yeah. in your face. Yeah. Right? And you got the bugs going and the heat going and yeah. you're getting annoyed. And nope, that, I can that see thing's that. gonna be, you're gonna reach out, you're gonna unsnap those babies, it's gonna drop to the ground, and you're going, I'm coming back for that later. <laughs> you know it as yeah. well as I do. Yeah. So you know, that's realistically with the, with the wedge bags, those are the only two 
Um, sorry, the, the, those the only thing I have with those two, disadvantage wise, is that they is that you, you've got to un, you got to take them off, yeah, be and clip way. them on somewhere onto your pack, yeah, right. And like I say, there's um, they have the snap hook straps for attachments and uh, D rings for you know putting maps and crap like that yep. on it, right? And they're all waterproof. They got the special zipper, the you know the high high tenacity. Uh, what is it? Two ten denier cordura denier 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 that word that word cordura material. So it's going to take a beating, right? These things are going to take an absolute beating, and they have to. If you're putting them in your canoe and you're going to be taking them on portages and stuff like that, and they're going to be in and out of them and putting them on, taking them off, strapping them to the packs, dropping them on the ground, they got to take a beating, you know. So both both of these will. So I mean, well, all of them will. Um, but when you're talking about advantages, disadvantages, advantages, easy storage, convenient storage, yeah, easy to reach, everything's right there, you know, and it's secured to the boat, and they're all secured to the That's boat. So if you thing. dump, yeah, you you know, if you if you've snapped those proper, yeah, they're going down the river with your boat. Yeah, you're not going to lose the stuff. Yeah, and that that's the biggie, right? I mean, if it's not attached to your 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 boat. Then when you go over, you know, your boat's going one way, your gear's going another, and hopefully it all ends up in the same place. <laughs> you <Yeah>. hope. <laughs> you hope. Otherwise, yeah. you know, you Spend may have lost something. the next five kilometers collecting all your gear up. They say, yeah, they say it's waterproof, but they don't say it's floatable. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a, a different story altogether. Uh, so yeah, easy, easy to reach, easy, convenient storage uh, are the advantages. Disadvantages... Um, you know, the, the bags have to be removed when portaging is snapped onto something else. And you got, you got to plan for that as well when you're, yeah. you know, cause I'll, I'll put a pair of shoes and a couple other things hanging off my pack for the portages. And if I don't yeah. think about this, well, now I got to think of somewhere else to, to hang that, right? Yes. You know, either, and if, if you're portaging and carrying a pack at the same time, it's not like you can throw it on the top of your pack. Which I've well, done that before. I've, yeah, I've taken a smaller yeah. bag, a day pack or something, and, and throw it on, or you wear strapped it, on it to my front, or or, or throw yeah. it on top of the uh, on top of the pack, which is fine. But then you got to you got to account for that with these bags. The buckles on the other under seat, mm-hmm. like I say, if you're with somebody and you've got to, you know, off, um, compensate left or right sitting on the seat, yeah, and those buckles are there, you're going to get one. The big thing that stopped me from buying one of these though, the under seats. Yeah. Because when I was looking, I didn't see that they had the, the, the thwart bags and, and the bow bag. Okay. I was only looking at the under seat. And the big thing that stopped me from buying one is if you're kneeling oh, your in feet. a canoe, where are your feet? Exactly. I always put them under the seat. Yeah. I'll, 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 unless you're using huh. the... Um, uh, kneeling thwart, unless you have a kneeling thwart yeah. in front, right? Yeah. I will kneel, but there's times where I'll kneel back and my edge of my butt. Just sit on the edge of the seat. Is on the seat. And that's what I do all the time. So my feet and legs are under my seat. Yeah. Whereas I'm looking at how these were, would hang and everything. And I'm look judging the distance and. Yeah. I've just Googled it now. I'm looking at pictures of the under seat bag. It's uh it's not that thick, but it's still, like, depending on the shoes that I wear sometimes, uh, my feet, like on the shoulder seasons when I got bigger boots on, uh, my yeah. feet would not go under that seat. Well, and see, I mean, if you flatten your feet, you do a little contortionist thing and get them under, yeah. you could do it. My big fear, though. <laughs> I know what you're going. Is if you flip. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm thinking. Are you getting your feet out? Yeah. Or that is, you... that to me, that's a big safety hazard. Yeah. Right? Because all of a sudden, your feet are trapped exactly under your seat. And you're attached to the boat now. And now you're attached <laughs> to the boat. And, and if you're down upside boat. down yeah. in white water. Oh man. Yeah. And you're trying to get out and you know, you're first off, you're trying to get out. Second mm-hmm. off, all of a sudden you're trying to kick your shoes off and then pull your feet, do yeah. that contortionist thing out again. I mean, that can lead to a lot of problems. Yeah. And that's, that's at the end of the day, why I didn't buy one of these. Mm-hmm. You know, great idea. I like Perfect the- idea. I'm looking at the bow bag now. It's like, it's only thirty bucks. Oh, they're not they're not all that expensive. Yeah. Like I say, if you go to granite, you can see gear, how it's going to hang though. It's going to be flopping if you portage with it. 
You'd yeah. have to remove it. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Go to granitegear.com and check out their, their stuff. But there's the small wedge thwart bag, the large wedge thwart bag, the bow bag, and the uh, original seat pack. Uh, check them out because they're, they're pretty cool. Um, we'll uh, maybe farther down the line, I might check out one of the other bags. Yeah. You now, know? Now, I've always had this idea. And let me tell me if you think this is good or bad idea, but, uh, do you know the, uh, so the flotation pockets in your canoe in the bow and the stern, yep. not all canoes have them, but mine does. I right. have a holy cow canoe and it's got that little shelf and a, a like a, it's an air pocket in the bow yeah. and the stern of the yeah. canoe. Mine's got that. I've always thought that I would like to, and I've never done it, but I've always thought about, you know, you can buy those, you, people have them on sailboats and stuff or on like, uh, just small boats. They screw open. And you've got a uh, six-inch hole to put stuff through. Yes. But it's watertight. Right. So I've always thought of, and, and, you know, you're cutting a hole in your boat, but uh, I always thought about uh, cutting a hole, and so that's like on the vertical section of that air pocket. Oh, that's got to be a, an option somewhere. I'm sure somebody's got that as an option. You think? I would think so. Because you see it on, see it on kayaks, recreational mm-hmm. kayaks sometimes. But I always thought, you know, th- those air pockets are a great place for me to put like, a baler bucket and fire starter gear and I don't know, flares or something, right? It's just someplace to store something that's out of the way and it's secure. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you're going on large expeditions and you flip and you lose all your luggage, you've always something got the, you've, you've got the, the stuff in your, your, in your PFD, pockets. right? Yeah. You've always, but if something happens, you don't have that and you still manage to get your canoe, even if it's you know, destroyed. Yeah, you could have some fire. You still there. open that up and yeah. you've got stuff in there, right? So just as an extra. But then again, it's like, how much extra, extra, extra do you need yeah. to bring too, right? Like and are, are you going overkill at that point? Th- that's the... Uh, or maybe you just use it because you're smuggling stuff across the border. <laughs> <laughs> you put your weed in there, as they say on Saturday Live, you did that. You put your weed in there. <laughs> that's always been in my dilemma though. It's like, you know, you always get, am I going to bring too much gear? Or am I bringing enough? I always bring too much. But I, I, I've always thought about putting, putting that as, making that as a storage container instead of just an, a flotation air pocket. And it would be still air or waterproof yeah. with a little screw out door. So maybe I'll, maybe this is year I'll finally do that. Or so research it and uh, find out. Somebody's had to it have done it It just sounds familiar. Like I've yeah. seen it somewhere. I've never seen it in a canoe. I've never actually seen it done. Yeah. But it just sounds like, or maybe it's just something we've talked about before. Yeah, maybe. You know, that... Uh, uh, something we, we check out. Um, but yeah, you know what? That, I need that little extra bit of storage because yeah. it'd be somewhere you could stick stuff that you need, but you never, but use. you know, you never, you don't have to keep digging out of your exactly. pack every day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I mean, that's the same with this, with the, the seat pack. If there's stuff that you use, but you don't need it every day mm-hmm. or stuff you might need, you throw that in the seat pack that's under the seat. Yeah. It's like a glove compartment on a car. Mm-hmm. You know, there's your, your, your fishing licenses in that and some extra sunglasses, your sunscreen, whatever is all in there. Stuff that you don't want to be reaching in your bag for, your big pack for all the time. Yeah. Right? So you're not digging everything out to get sunscreen and it's not rolling exactly, around and yeah. it's not an extra day pack mm-hmm. that's sitting there. Because that's what I've gotten to the point of doing is stuff like that, like my rain gear and all that sort of, I'll bring a small day pack. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Something is easy to access because I've never opened up my backpack or, or my canoe pack on the water. If yeah. I need something, if it starts raining, I'm going to go ashore because I, I'm always paranoid about opening up my pack and there's my sleeping bag and there's my the yeah. tent and there's... Because that's uh, the moment you, you dump. Exactly. So uh, I've, I've never done it on the water. Now I, I, yeah, it's I've never taken the chance on the water. So if I had a... That's why I always take this dry pack that's where my camera and maybe some snacks go but it's mm-hmm. always sculling about around my feet or yeah and if, the you, if the winds and waves are up it, it's on the bottom it's getting soaked exactly if you're in and out in and out of the canoe the water's staying there and then your dry pack everything's everything's in water. Yeah, yeah everything's soaked mm-hmm. right so at least this is up and out of the yeah. way so i think i i mean personally i would go for a bow bag or one of the thwart bags um or but, modify um, the thwart bag into a gunnel bag Tie it off the side. Yeah, maybe. Ooh. But you'd have to have those gunnels that like the on a wooden gunnel, like the uh, get the gaps. Yeah. So anyway, 
lots of different things. Check out granitegear.com. You guys can make your choice from, from one of these things. Or if, uh, like I say, if there's anything else out there, let us know. Yeah. Say a quick break. We'll come right back. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. Well, Derek, that's it for another episode. Uh, it was nice to get up there and chat with Tori last week. You know, that's a lot of fun. I really enjoy getting out of the basement and, and doing some interviews. It was fun doing this this uh, interview with uh, Jim and Tori. I, I definitely think we'll be doing a lot more of that. For those that want to find out more about us, you can find us on paddlingadventuresradio.com. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can find our past episodes on iTunes and Google Play's Player FM. I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time. <laughs>